You're listening to the Australian Water Association podcast series. My name is Joe Taranto and joining me is Danielle Verdon-Kidd, the Senior Lecturer at the University of Newcastle. And today we're discussing planning urban water system responses to mega droughts. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you for having me, Joe. Now, Danielle, you are a hydroclimatologist. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Um, so as a hydroclimatologist, I work in the interface between climate and hydrology. So I have a look at how climate has changed in the past, in the recent past and the deeper past, and how it might change in the future and the impacts that might have or has had on our water supplies. I also look at extreme event risk, so things like tropical cyclones that actually, and east coast lows that refill our water supplies, um, and droughts where we have long-term perseverance of lower water supplies, which obviously affects our ability to supply water for agriculture and potable water needs and those sorts of things. And certainly in Australia, we're no stranger to drought. Can you tell me about what the difference between a drought and a mega drought is? Sure. Well, drought itself is a deficiency um, to meet of water to meet needs. Uh, and those needs can vary. So we can have, for example, a meteorological drought, which is simply a def- deficit in our rainfall, which can um, go through to an agricultural drought where we have a deficit in our soil moisture supplies for agriculture, right through to a hydrological drought where the drought starts to impact the water supplies. A, a drought can be anywhere from three months right through to many, many years. So the normal droughts that we've experienced in the last 150 years have lasted in that kind of range. And the millennium drought is the longest drought that Australia has experienced, lasting about 13 years, um, the most recent drought. And that drought had huge impacts um, across Australia and Eastern Australia in particular. Mega drought is actually something slightly longer than what we've actually experienced. So these droughts last between multi-decadal periods, so 20 years plus. It's something that we haven't actually got um, a record of in our instrumental data. In Australia, our rainfall records are fairly short, um, you know, at best 120 years in the populated regions, and they're just not long enough to capture the possibility of these longer droughts. But we know these mega droughts exist elsewhere around the world. Um, they're the types of droughts that have actually resulted in the fall of civilizations, such as the Mayan civilization. And we know that the Sahalas experienced them, um, South Africa, um, North America, uh, and other regions of the world, China, for example. So there is the strong possibility that Australia may have also experienced a mega drought and that we could experience one again in the future. And do we know that those um, civilizations have had those mega droughts because they had a record, you know, a written record that they were able to refer to? In some cases, there are some form of written records, um, but in most cases, we're looking at other ways of um, finding a climate record in natural archives. So these natural archives um, are essentially like rain gauges um, where they record Uh, variations in pre-instrumental rainfall in things like corals uh, where there are layerings with layers within the corals and the chemical composition and the thickness of those layers gives us an indication of rainfall and sea surface temperature they can be recorded in the trees so in the tree rings under climate conditions that are good for trees, they grow well and the tree rings are large and healthy and under the more stressed conditions the tree rings become more narrow. 
We can also look at ice cores, so each annual layer in the ice cores of Greenland and Antarctica contains um, gas bubbles and in those gas bubbles we can find information on the large-scale circulation patterns and also we can look at sediments, for example, and cave deposits as well. So there's quite a range of these potential sources of information that we can look at and these sources are what are giving us the, this history where we can link it to the rise and fall of civilizations. Wow, and so certainly for Australia, there's been a bit of a challenge for you to understand drought patterns, um, and that's why you've gone to these, I guess, more natural records. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing to try and understand the what you call the paleo drought record? Sure, sure. So in Australia, the instrumental record captures three of our major droughts. So we've got the uh, Federation drought, the World War II drought, and the Millennium drought. And what we're really interested with the paleo record is, well, how do those, the frequency of those droughts compare on a longer time period and are the extent and the magnitude of those droughts unusual or perhaps is there something worse that we need to start preparing for? Unfortunately, in Australia, there isn't a lot of paleoclimate information that has already been developed. We're quite behind other regions of the world, such as um, Northern America, where there is a dearth of information, particularly in terms of tree rings. One of the main reasons that we are we haven't got as much data in Australia is we just don't have the same types of trees, the types of species, um, because we're in a more tropical zone. So our trees don't tend to have the same very clear annual growth rings that the temperate region trees have. Um, however, there are now some really good new techniques that we can look at including isotopes um, and the actual wood characteristics or the wood properties within the trees and we're being able to link that to the climate patterns. So it's opened up a whole new avenue of research really in Australia that we can start reconstructing our pre-instrumental history. It doesn't sound like a job you can do on your own. There's an awful lot of data out there. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you've been doing with uh, Melbourne University, for example? Yes, that's right. I mean, this is something that really needs to be tackled um, by many researchers across Australia. And there are some really good groups across Australia working on different types of paleoclimate resources. Uh, the group in Melbourne that I've been working with, and particularly Cathy Allen and her team, is to um, look at mangroves. And we're trying to see whether the mangroves can actually contain a rainfall or a um, streamflow history in eastern Australia. Mangroves are great because they're located all up and down the east coast. They're located in areas where we're very interested in knowing what sort of rainfall and streamflow we may have had in the past because they're located near some of our major water supplies and our major cities. Um, and we're getting some really good preliminary results from there, so some really promising things where we can see that these um, proxies are tracking um, quite well with some of our rainfall patterns. So it's very early days. We're hoping that we can uh, move this particular research forward and expand it and expand it out. Some there has been indication that mangroves um, can be live up to 700 years. So. If we can get some samples um, and, and do the same sort of analysis, we may be able to go back quite a fair way. And so once you've got this information and you've been able to pull together a record that goes back a lot further than we've ever had, how do we then use that to make it um, helpful for us to plan 
you know, for our urban water systems for something like a mega drought? How, how, do we, how do we do that? That's a really good question and I think that's the key. You know, we don't just want to do science for science sake here. It's really interesting obviously but I'm really, I really want to make this work useful and um, that was the message at the conference that, the, that we've just had was is about using this information in a really practical way. So we can, once we have a reconstruction of rainfall built from these proxies, we can actually then run that through our water system models to have a look how our current management plans would cope with droughts that have, are represented in these pre-instrumental time series. Um, we can then play games with that in terms of changing some of those management options to see whether or not our water supplies are robust where we're not just reliant on one source, and particularly if that one source is really um, rainfall driven, such as our catchments. Uh, it's about having alternative water supplies during times of drought and mega drought. And some examples of that would be water recycling or desalinisation, where we can actually harvest water that isn't as um, reliant on the rainfall patterns at that time. Well, it's certainly, uh potential for some pretty scary topics. It seems like there might be a science fiction movie <laughs> in the making here. Um, really thrilled to talk to you today. I've been talking with Danielle Verdon-Kidd, who is a senior lecturer at the University of Newcastle. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much, Jill.